0: Tonight's class is dedicated by our dear friends, Ida and David Schattenstein, in the sacred memory of the Kadoshim of Mumbai, and Rabbi Gavriel Noyach and Rifki Holtzberg, the Chabad ambassadors to Mumbai, India. The Schattensteins also dedicate the class to a young soul, Alta Shula Swordlove, the daughter of Hindel and Rabbi Yossi Swordlove. It was, my friends, the most fateful encounter in Jewish history. A slow movement in a symphony of life. Moses is shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro in the wilderness near Midian, far away from Pharaoh from the Israelites, from the bitter exile in Egypt, Moses is now alone shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. When suddenly he comes across that famous burning bush ablaze with a great fire and yet not being consumed. And Moses says, let me go and look and understand the secret of this bush which burns and yet does not get consumed. And it is at this moment, when an angel of God appears to Moses from amidst the burning bush. And calls out his name, Moshe, Moshe. And he says, He here I am. Now please open up your curriculum your source sheet in a PDF right below the video, to source number one, describing this moment, this encounter at the burning bush. Pasuk Dalit says, Vayar Hashem Kisar God sees that Moses looked to see, and he calls out his name, Moshe, Moshe, and he says, me, he says, haloyim, don't come close, shal shall remove your sandals from your feet, because the place upon which you stand is holy soil. And then God continues to speak to Moses from amidst the flames of the bush, and he says, Onoiki elikeaviko elikeavrom Yaakov. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was scared to look at God. And the next scene, God tells him. I have seen the affliction of my nation in Egypt. I have heard their bitter cry from those who torture them. I know the pain and here God summons Moses to go on the mission to liberate and set free this subjugated and enslaved Hebrew nation in Egypt. At last The story of Exodus begins. Our sages, the rabbis, tune in to one particular moment in this episode. God tells Moses, take off your shoes. He takes off his shoes, apparently. He's standing now in front of the burning bush. God identifies Himself. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what does Moses do? The same man who just moments ago wanted to approach the burning bush. He wanted to see it. Asura nova eres ha'mara he said. Let me come close and see this great sight of a bush which burns and does not get burnt up. This very same person now, when God identifies Himself from amidst the bush, Moses conceals; he hides his face. He doesn't want to look. He doesn't want to see God. The Talmud discusses this moment. Source number two in your curriculum takes us to Talmud Masechet Brachos, Davzayin Amir Aleph, Tractate Brachos Seven A. There are two opinions there in the Talmud. The first opinion is that Moses did not do the right thing by hiding his face. It's the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua Ben Karcha, who actually says that later on, towards the end of Exodus, when Moses will ask God in Kisisa, Let me see your glory, God will refuse. You'll see my back, but you won't see my face. Why? So the Talmud says they're the first opinion God told them, because when I wanted, you didn't want. Now you want, but I don't want. This itself is a great lesson in life. I Once heard from the Labavitcher Rebbe, that this applies to so many issues in life. For example, having children. Sometimes couples delay The gift of children they're not ready they want to pursue their careers they want to have time with each other and they wait and wait and wait and the Rebbe then quoted this piece of Talmud what God told Moses when I wanted you didn't want now you want but it's not the right time I don't want but then the Talmud brings a second opinion and that's what I want to focus on this evening, source number two. The Ammar Rabbi Shmuel by Nachmeni, Rabbi Yonison. Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Nachmeni, said in the name of Rabbi Yonison, In the reward of three great things that Moses did, he merited three rewards. vayaster As a reward for hiding his face at the burning bush, Moses merited that his face became radiant. Later on in the book of Exodus in Kisisa, Moses comes down from the mountains with the second tablets, and his face is shining with an extraordinary luminescence to the point that the Jews are scared to look at him and approach him. The radiance of his face he merited because at this moment he hid his face. Biskarkiore Zachalvayiru Megeshiselov. As a reward for Moses being scared, at this moment, scared to look at God, he merited that he inspired awe in others. The Jews were scared to approach him. As a reward, it says Moses hid his face from looking. From gazing at God, he merited to see the picture of God. And this is of course referring to that moment in source number three. Parshas Bahalois, Miriam and Aaron, the two siblings of Moses, are talking about him. And they're discussing some negative qualities about Moses' life, although the Torah does not say what. And God chastises them. And he says in Ba'alaisha Parakid Zai source number three in your curriculums. Moses my servant is different than every other prophet. I speak to him mouth to mouth, in a vision not in riddles, and he sees the image, the picture of God. Why were you not terrified? To speak about my servant Moses. Why did Moses merit usmunas hashem yabit to see God? So the Talmud tells us in Brachas from Shmugu Bar Nachmeni, the name of Rabbi Yenison, because at the burning bush he hid his face because he was scared to look at God. Now, this observation in the Talmud, which by the way is also brought in Medrish, in Medrish rabba Shmois. Medrash Rabbah of is in the story of the burning bush. But interestingly, while in the Talmud there is an argument, there are two opinions. The first opinion of Yeshua ben Karicha who says, that later God refused to show Moses' face, because when I wanted to, you didn't want. In Medrash, the second opinion of Shemois ben he doesn't argue with the first. He says, nonetheless, God still showed Moses' His face. Utmunas Hashem Yabed. So it's a little different of how the story is quoted in the Talmud and how the tradition is quoted in the Midrash. But here, there is a basic question that must be asked. We understand the first two instances the Talmud quotes. Moses hides his face, and as a result of that sensitivity and humility... His face one day becomes radiant. Granted. Observation number two. Moses experiences fear and awe in the presence of God. He doesn't want to look at God. And the reward of that, measure against measure, is he himself inspires awe. The Jews are in reverence. They're in awe. They don't want to look at Moses. But what about the third item? The third item says, because Moses in his face, he didn't want to look at God. He was scared to gaze at God. Therefore, he merited to see God. What type of reward is that? If Moses did not want to see God, he was scared to look at God. So what is the reward that he gets to see God when he doesn't want to see God? Or to put it in different terms... Was it a good thing that he didn't want to see God, or was it not a great thing? If it was a right thing that he was scared to look at God, so why reward him with something that should not happen? And if it's a good thing to see God, so then why didn't Moses want to see God? How are we to understand this observation in the Talmud? Now this question is quoted in various sources throughout the generations. There are different answers That can be given to this question. What is the quid pro quo? What is the mida keneged, mida measure for measure? But tonight I want to quote the explanation presented in one of the great biblical commentators, Rabbeinu Bechayeh, source number four. Zakhti Rabbeinu Bechayeh, the explanation in this statement in the Talmud is. He bescharish and esyorayata la habitel he alikim. He ashchina she imidas hadin vnekras aspaklari sheinam eira zochol esoyvshen eshtakl baspaklari ameira he midas haracham. Rabbi Noachaya makes a lovely observation. He says, "Look at the two verses. It says Moses hid his face." He did not want to see Elokim. The Talmud says as a reward for not wanting to see Elokim, He merited Utmunas Hashem Yabit, to see Hashem. We ask the question, if he didn't want to, how do you reward somebody who doesn't want to do something with doing that for him which he never wanted to have? Giving him that which he never wanted to have? But there's a different name of God. In the first case, it's Yare Mehabit al Halekim. He was scared to look at Elakim. In the second instance, in Parshas Balaisha Usmunas Hashem YaBet, a different name of God is employed. Not the name Elohim, but the name Hashem. Yud K Vov K known as the Tetragrammaton, which we call Hashem. Rabbeinu Bakhayah says this is the meaning. Because Moses was scared to look at the name of Elikim, representing the attribute of judgment, the Aspaklar Yeshayin God expressing Himself in a non-bright and luminescent fashion, He merited at the end to see, Utmunas Hashem, to see the attribute of compassion, of mercy. What does this mean? What is the meaning of this? Because he refused, he was scared to look at Alekhim, therefore he merited to see Havaya, to see the name of Hashem. The same observation and distinction I also saw in a Hasidic work known as Ponem Office, authored by the Baal Ha'aflo, Rabbi Pinchas Halevi Horowitz, also makes a similar observation as the Rabbeinu Bahaya. But what is the explanation in this? How are we to understand this? So this evening, I'd like to offer one possible explanation in this discussion based on various sources in our literature and some of the points, some of the few of the points which I will make. I owe gratitude to an essay by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs Britain's chief rabbi in the name of his teacher, one of his teachers, Rabbi Nachum Rabinowitz. Why did God choose Moses as the Redeemer of Israel? There is no clear reason given in the Torah for this. But we do know that the Torah reports three incidents concerning Moses prior to him being chosen and designated by the Almighty as his ambassador to set the Hebrews free from their horrible and horrific exile incident number one Moses grows up he goes out to Egypt and he sees an Egyptian beating a Jew to death he turns here he turns there he sees there's nobody present and he strikes the Egyptian down. Incident number two, the next day he goes out and he sees two Jews fighting with each other. And he confronts them as well. Lama he tells one of them, why do you strike your fellow? He then escapes Egypt and ends up in a country called Midian where he sees shepherds harassing the daughters of Jethro, who are trying to irrigate their flock. And here again he confronts the abusive shepherds and he saves the innocent daughters of Jethro. One of them, of course, Zipporah, He will end up marrying. Three incidents. But the incidents all have a common denominator. They demonstrate, and the Chassam Seifer writes this in his commentary on Shmois, they demonstrate the personality of moses they demonstrate his value system they tell us something about his sensitivity who is moses moses is the person who will not remain silent in the presence of injustice in the first instance it's an egyptian against a jew it's an egyptian tyrant beating a slave to death moses stands up for the victim saves the life of the victim by killing the perpetrator. In the second instance, it's not Egyptian against Jew. It's Jew against Jew. It's a quarrel amongst his own people, his own nation, his own tribe. But he won't ignore it. He will stand up and confront the violence, the hate, the animosity. In the third instance, it's not an Egyptian against a Jew. It's not a Jew against a Jew. It's complete strangers. It's Midianite shepherds against the daughters of Jethro, completely detached from Moses, his country, his nation, his family, and yet here too, he stands up and protects the innocent young women. These are the three incidents, the only three incidents, we know about Moses, prior to him being designated by God to redeem the Jewish people. Clearly, Moshe Rabbeinu is perturbed and will not stand silent where he sees evil being perpetrated and innocent people suffering when they don't deserve to suffer. Later, at the end of Shemais, Moses will turn to none other than the creator of the world himself as we shall see soon, and he will scream, Lama Arayoi why? Are you torturing a nation? Why are you bringing evil to a people? Why don't you save them? So he will stand up not only to people, he will stand up also to God. The Talmud, in fact, in Brachas, Davzayin, also says earlier that when Moses asks God later, glory," and he asks him, Explain to me your ways. He wants to know the reason of why good people suffer. In the words of the Talmud, Sadiq Why are there righteous people who experience so much pain in their life? In fact, there is one interpretation expl- explaining that this is one of the symbolisms behind the burning bush. When Moses is standing in front of a bush that's burning, he sees not only a physical tree, a thorn bush, that is ablaze. Moses also sees the millennia-long story of Jewish history. When Moses looks at the burning bush, he sees Auschwitz, Birkenau, Dachau, Treblinka, Bergen-Belsen. When Moses looks at the burning bush, he sees pogroms, expulsions, inquisitions, massacres, persecution, abuse, annihilation, and even genocide. Which would characterize the history of his people for thousands of years until this very day. Moses sees buses exploding and innocent people being torn to pieces. Moses watches mothers and fathers and children being murdered and hunted down. And Moses wants to understand why. Why? For the pagan, for the ancient pagan, and for the contemporary atheist, this is not a question. Why not? Why should the cookie not crumble when fate has it crumble? Why should the weak not be exploited by the strong? And why should the innocent not suffer by the hands of the vicious, of the cruel? But for the believer, for the Abraham, for the Moses, for the Jeremiah... For the believer who believes that the world has a creator who cares about the world and that God is good and just, he cries, he yells, he protests and he screams, why does the bush burn? Why is the flame so painful? Why must people, innocent people, endure such excruciating and savage suffering? The question of all questions. And as Moses is standing in front of these flames, in front of these fires, watching this story of his people, God turns to him from amidst the flames. And what does he tell to Moses? What does he say to Moses? I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At that moment, the Reboyna Shaloylam, the master of the universe, was offering to Moses a gift unprecedented in the annals of human history and civilization. He invited Moses to look at the flames to gaze at the burning bush and to see look here Moses and you will see that I am in the midst of the flames look here Moses and you will discover my reality, my presence in the midst of the pain and the suffering of the world for once in history a human being was given that extraordinary offer from heaven To be able to look at world history and understand it from God's perspective. To be able to look at the pain, at the suffering that so many individuals and so many peoples underwent throughout history and to be able to see and appreciate where God is in this story. Where there is goodness here. Where is the purpose Where is the meaning? Where is the justification? Where is the light? Where is the hope? There's an extraordinary expression in Medrish about this moment when God turns to Moses and says, Anochielakha, look at the flame and you will see me, I am the God of your father. Source number five in your curriculum right below the video. Please open up source number five, Zakda the She Loy if Moses would have not concealed his face. Baruchu If he would have not hid his face, God would have revealed him at that moment what is above and what is below, what was and what will be. Moses, in other words, would have had the opportunity to see not only that which was below, but also that which was above. And not only that which was, but also that which would be. For once in history, Moses was given the most intimate, powerful invitation by the creator of the world. I will allow you to look at the burning flames throughout history and see Anoichi Anoichi avicha, see me in it. See it from my perspective. See my presence in every moment, in every experience, in every encounter of life. The greatest moments the most exhilarating and exciting moments, and the most painful and traumatic moments. What does Moses do at that moment? Vayaster Moshe Ponov. Moshe conceals his face. He hides his face. Kyore me like Because he's scared. He doesn't want to see Hello, Kim why not there are two types of pain we experience in life one is a pain that we can appreciate the benefits which come from the pain and when we endure pain which clearly leads to a particular benefit and positive outcome, that pain we know is easier to endure. It doesn't feel so painful. Why? Because we in our logic and minds can clearly comprehend the purpose of it, the benefit of it, the meaning for it of it. Parents love their children. And yet when a splinter gets stuck in the finger of the little boy, the father or the mother will pain the child and take a needle and remove the splinter although the baby is screaming, Stop it! Stop hurting me! And they will continue to hurt their child, not because they are sadistic, heaven forbid, because they clearly understand the positive outcome of causing this pain to the child in order to get rid of the splinter because if they leave the splinter so that the child doesn't feel the pain God forbid it can develop into an infection which will only bring much more pain to the child and so it is in almost every instance in life anything worthwhile in life requires work in order to obtain and all type of work usually creates some form of pain For some people, waking up in the morning is a painful experience. They press snooze once and snooze twice. It's not an easy experience. It's a painful experience. So why do they undergo the pain? And the answer is because they know that if they don't undergo the pain. If they just continue sloughing and sleeping, the pain will be much greater. They will lose their job and not be able to support themselves or their families. Studying for some people is very painful. Extremely painful, and yet we undergo this pain. As the Mishnah puts it beautifully, from Agra, commensurate with the pain is the reward, the benefits. People go through painful medical procedures and surgeries. Why? Because they want to live. And they understand that this pain is unfortunately a necessary step in the path of recovery sometimes the pain of life is small sometimes it's large nations go to war leaders send their people to war very painful very bloody some people will not come back from the battlefield but they know that the price of not going to war of ignoring this pain is a far greater sense of pain and destruction imagine if the allies would have not declared war against Adolf Hitler the war was extraordinarily painful We know how many casualties it cost. But the alternative was the Third Reich capturing the world. And so is the story of life. Anything worthwhile or many things that are worthwhile necessitate work. Sometimes to achieve certain goals that are positive you have to go through pain. This pain we can understand, we appreciate We invest in the pain because we want the positive outcome. And this pain we can understand. And because we can understand it, it's not so painful. Why? Because in our mind's eye we can draw a clear line, a sequence, between the painful experience and the positive benefits which will come from the experience. So when you're looking at the pain, you understand and appreciate clearly what is its purpose, What is its benefit? And therefore, the pain decreases. It's not as potent. It's not as acute. But there is another type of pain in the world. There's a type of pain we see around us, or we see within within ourselves. And by the furthest stretch of our imagination and fantasy, we cannot understand what purpose is there in this pain. What benefit is there in a father and mother having to bury a young child? What benefit is there in a family filled with orphans who need to bury a father and sometimes a father and a mother? What benefit is there to one and a half million children being gassed? Six million innocent men, women. Decimated, annihilated. What benefit, what profit is there? What goodness is there? What meaning and purpose is there? In people who are born and suffer their whole life. Mentally. Mentally. Physically, emotionally, children, adults, older people. Sometimes we look at the world and we see painful experiences, but we can somehow understand how this pain is a necessary step in growth. Maybe not today, but tomorrow. Maybe not tomorrow, but in five years. Maybe not five years, but twenty years. But sometimes we are clueless. We just look at pain and we ask, why? Who gains from this? What goodness is there in this excruciating experience? Verdafas, who needs it? Rabbi Shalev Sasever once explained the words we say in the prayers of confession, raza You know the secrets of the world. And he said this, The secrets of Torah, you're not the only one who knows. Some of our great minds and sages also knew and know the secrets of the Torah. But roze Eilam, the secrets of the world, of how the cosmos runs and operates, only Atiyah only you know. This is the pain that defies imagination. This is the pain that seems often so unbearable, so hurtful. Because a mother, a father, a young boy, a young girl, a middle-aged, an adult, a middle-aged person, look at the pain and are broken and are shattered and don't understand why. And pain that we cannot understand, we cannot see any benefit of it, is what breaks so many a heart and so many a person. God invited Moses to understand pain from his perspective. To be able to look at the flames of the Jewish people. To be able to look at the fires consuming innocent people and see in those flames the presence of God, of goodness, of a good and just God within the burning flames of history. And Moses says, no, I will not look. Because he knows the moment he will be able to appreciate even 1% of the purpose and the goodness in the suffering existing in the world. That will deprive him of the ability to be able to truly sympathize, identify, and cry together with his people. Because if he even has a 5 or 10% understanding of why they have to go through this pain, somehow the feeling of pain is diminished. And the cry that comes with the pain is decreased because he would understand at least something of the why. So Moses at this moment refuses to look at Aleikim Refuses to see the God in the flames because he wants to be able to be there with his people, for his people. He wants to be able to cry and shout and fight for the goodness, for the joy, for the blessings of mankind and his people. This moment in Moses' life perhaps the greatest or one of the greatest moments of his life. He's given a choice between heaven and earth. God allows him the opportunity to scale and ascend the ladder, which will allow him to go up to heaven and see the world from a bird's eye view, not like us who see only our chapter in the book. We don't know the beginning of history. We don't know the end of history. We read a novel. You read a few chapters in the middle, a few chapters before, a few chapters after. Only at the end of the novel does everything come together. We don't have that gift. We see our chapter in history. We read about what happened before us. We predict or we speculate about what would happen after us. But as God tells Job... Job, the book of Job in the Tanakh, which depicts the story of an innocent man who suffered terribly. And Job's three friends come to visit him. And they explain to him that God is just. And whatever God does has a reason. And he must have done wrong things to deserve this. And Job protests them and he cries out against them. And he ridicules their easy explanations to justify God's behavior to him. Job almost comes across as blasphemous. And we'll soon get, for a little later, we'll soon get to one one of the statements God makes in Job. But at one point in chapter 37, God finally reveals Himself to Job. And how does He answer the question of pain? He doesn't answer it. He starts asking new questions. And his first question is, Where were you when I founded the earth? And goes on to a whole long discussion, asking Job where he was, when the foundations of life were created, when the first snowflakes and droplets of rain were formed, when the mother animal is about to give birth to her offspring. But our perspective of life is narrow. Moses is giving here the opportunity God would reveal to him as the Mandarin says, Malamata, What's above, what's below, what was, what will be. To graduate the confinements of the human horizon, of the human perspective, and enter into the vantage point, the perspective of God Almighty and see the world from a different place. And Moses hides his face, he does not want to. In the choice between heaven and earth, he chooses earth. He embraces his people over Kavayachal God because he knows that the moment he sees the world from God's perspective, he will never truly be able to scream ever again, why? Because he will understand somewhat of the why. And therefore he chooses to say, no, I will not look. I do not want to see the justice. I do not want to know the meaning. I do not want to know the purpose. of so that way I will be able to embrace my people and cry with them. That way I will be able to place my shoulder in their, on their shoulder and be able to absorb their experience. Be able to pray with them. Cry with them. Sympathize with them. And be there for them. moment Moses hides his face what does God say I have seen the pain of my people and I want to choose you to set them free paradoxically this is the moment God knows that Moses is the most qualified leader to take out the people to set free the people because what is the true definition of a leader of a Rebbe of a of Israel, of a leader of Israel. It's somebody who can look God in the face, so to speak, and say, I don't want to see you, so that I should be able to see them. I don't want to embrace your perspectives, I should be able to embrace their perspective. Indeed, what happens God appoints Moses to become the liberator of the Jewish people. He promises him redemption. And when Moses summons, goes to Pharaoh and asks him to set free the Hebrew slaves, and Pharaoh only increases the burden of their work, what does Moses do? He goes to God and he confronts him. Open up your curriculum to source number six, the end of parashashmais. of Hashem, he returns to God. Vayayman Hashem. Why have you afflicted this nation? Why have you brought evil to this nation? And why did you send me? From when I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he only did more evil to this nation. Save, you have not saved this nation. Ah, now we'll understand the words of the Gemara and Barachas. <speaking in Hebrew> Moses concealed his face because he was scared to look at Elakim. What does it mean he didn't want to look at Elikim. Elohim, we know, is the Midas Hadin, it's God's attribute of judgment. It's God's attribute of concealment, tzimtzum, in Kabbalistic terminology. The Kabbalists tell us that Elohim, Aleph, Lamed, Hei, Yud, Mem is the numerology of 86, the same as the word Hateva, nature. Elohim depicts godliness as as it is completely enclosed, covered, and manifested within the natural mechanisms of the world and of life. At this moment, God was giving Moses an opportunity to see Elohim To be able to look at nature, to be able to look at life, at death, at happiness, at misery, and to be able to see God within the burning bush of life. To be able to see the alikim, to be able to look at din, to be able to look at judgment, at misery, at suffering, at tears, at grief. And see in it, Elohim, see the God behind the veil. See the God within the darkness. But Moses says, no, I don't want to see the God of Elohim. Ki I don't want to see the God of Elohim. Because if I see the God of Elohim, will I really be able to be there for my people? Will I ever be able to understand my people? To know where they're coming from? To feel them? Or I will forever be justifying and rationalizing. And explaining to them, It's not so bad. I cannot do that. I must be there with them, fighting Pharaoh. And protesting to God. On this the Talmud says, As a reward that that Moses refused. He was scared that he would lose his primary quality as a Rebbe, as a Druh. To see Lakim, what did he reward? What was his reward? Utmunas Hashem Yabet. Moses was zoichi, he merited to see the attribute of Yutke Vovke. to see Midas Harachamim, to see the attribute of mercy. He merited to see Exodus. To see liberation and redemption. He merited to see a nation singing and celebrating Oz Yasher, Israel. He merited to see a redemption of an entire nation born, taken out from slavery and born into the nation of God, standing at Sinai and hearing God punim him, upon him, face to face. Because Moses refused and was scared to see a Kim. Like he merited to see Utmunas Hashem. Because he fought for his people and he refused to compromise on his relationship with his people, God rewarded him to become the leader who will indeed celebrate with them the triumph of goodness, the triumph of light. The triumph of revealed blessings. U'tmunas Hashem Yabit. To see how God is revealed, not how God is concealed. Not to see God in darkness, but to see God in light. To be able to see the expression of godliness. In goodness, in positivity, U'tmunas Hashem Yabit. This is what Moses merited. Essentially, this explains a very powerful and enigmatic medrash. Open up source number seven. Right after Moses screams, why did you afflict the people? God answers. In the beginning of Parshas Virat, source number seven he says, God spoke to Moses. He told him, I am God. He opens the portion with the words Vayidabir. And then says Vayoymer, we know Vayadaber in Hebrew is Lashon it's harsh, harsh words. Vayoymer is lush and racket, soft words. Why? Why the same concept in the same verse? God is communicating to him, but in the beginning he says Vayadaber and then suddenly it changes to Vayoymer. What happened? And the Medrash in source number 8, Shmoyz Rabbah Parshavov represents presents an intriguing explanation please open up your sources to source number 8 the Medrash says God already told Moses earlier that Pharaoh will not let the Jewish people leave God told him initially Pharaoh will not let you go I am going to strengthen his heart but Moses did not preserve this promise of God notwithstanding the fact that Moses heard from God that it's going to happen this way God told him you're going to come to Pharaoh and he's not going to let you go so when Moses came to Pharaoh and Pharaoh said no and he only increased the burden why didn't Moses say okay this is what God said is going to happen God predicted, I'm going to come to the emperor of Egypt and he's going to say, no! No, Moses did not do that. He started to question the decree of God. He started to ask, Why are you torturing the people? And the message continues, For this the attribute of judgment wanted to harm Moses. That's why the opening words of the portion of Erez, God spoke to Moses harshly. The attribute of judgment was wanted to harm Moses. But since God realized That Moses spoke this way. Why? Because of the Tsar of Meisrael. Because of the pain of the Jewish people. He reverted and now relates to Moses with the attribute of compassion. From Vayidabir, Elakim al-Moshe. It's transformed and metamorphosized to Vayoyim Mary love. This is not just that Moses was forgiven because he was a nice man. This represents something much deeper. God realizes that Moses spoke this way because of Tsar Bnei Israel, because Moshe represents the Jewish people completely. So God may have told him and predicted him and told him that there's a meaning and there's a purpose. But when he sees Yiddish, their Jewish children suffering the way they're suffering, he screams, Lama Yisrael I know you did justice. I know you're good. I'm not doubting that you're good. And I'm not doubting that you run the world and you orchestrate every event. And I'm not doubting that you're not here in the burning bush, but I want to know, La <laughs> reyay Why? And so, we see a fascinating thing in the story of Job. And this is source number nine. I mentioned earlier that Job suffered terribly. He lost his family. He was struck with horrible, painful maladies and illnesses. And three friends come and comfort him, and they try to explain to him that God is just. And Job speaks words which seem close to blasphemy, while his friends are saying, No, you're wrong, you're evil, you must have sinned badly. And that's why God punishes you. And we would expect that finally when God makes His appearance, He will side with the religious friends. Who have justified and rationalized and vindicated God from wrong behavior, so to speak. And yet, source number 9, Eev chapter 42. <speaking in Hebrew> After God spoke to Job the words I discussed before, telling him about the genesis of existence and that he was not there. <speaking in Hebrew> God speaks to Eliphaz, Job's friend. <speaking in Hebrew> I am angry at you, Eliphaz and your two friends, because you did not speak to me appropriately as my servant Job. Imagine, these two friends were vindicating God and explaining Job how bad he was. Job was speaking words which seemed quite wrong from a religious perspective, and yet God says, Job is my servant, you spoke inappropriately to me. because God has his perspective there is a perspective of heaven there is a divine meaning and purpose in every event that occurs in history but just like Moses our role our mission is not to see the world from heaven's perspective but to see the, world's, the world from earth's perspective and bring heaven down into earth our role and our mission our calling just like Moses is not to look at Elikim and celebrate Elikim but to cry to yearn to pine, to fight for Smunas Hashem Yabit for the name of Hashem, not the name of Elekin. To become partners with God in creation. To heal the world from its pain. And to obliterate injustice. In the tradition of Avraham Avinu who screams, Chalar, it's Layasim Mishpat Will the judge of the earth not do justice? Abraham should speak like this to God. He's telling God what's just. Jeremiah screams, Madu aderech tzlacha. Why is the way of the wicked successful? Moses screams, La Maria is King David and Tehillim and Psalm screams, Ad Masai, How long, God? Ad Masai, Tastiris, How long will you conceal your face from me? This is a theme that pervades the Tanakh, it pervades Midrashic, Talmudic literature, Kabbalistic works. Kinos, the lamentations of Tishabov of the ninth of Av, pre and post Holocaust literature. As a reward of the Jew saying, "I don't want to see a like I want to see goodness. I want to see light. I want to see redemption." Moses and the Jew merit usmunas Hashem yabet to see the explosion of healing and redemption in a bitter and dark world. Have a good night.